we say the things that we say. I'm Milo. And I'm Dave. He's my dad. And she is my daughter. That's how that works. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. My dad has found a small plastic Baymax on my desk and is now playing with it. Why is he a car? He's not a car. He's a sum-sum. He's a what? one? It's this whole line of things that Disney made for a while. They're like little nugget versions of all the Disney characters. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not sure why that's on this episode, but there it yeah, is. Yeah, but now it's here. Um, I'm trying desperately to find a way to make this um, tie in, but uh-huh. that's going to be a complicated segue. Okay. Um, no, yep, we can't really go there because today's <laughs> phrase is on the rag, <laughs> which I can't really, I really can't. Well, Baymax is a medical provider, oh, so maybe geez. he can provide some, you know... Menstruation yeah. products to oh, people boy. who need them. So this is you kept this one a secret from me. Why? Why I did don't you know. keep this? So you wouldn't tell me what it was. So today we're talking about menstruation, oh. Um, oh. and I did not tell my father beforehand. Nope. I don't know why. I thought it might be funny. <laughs> well, it's a word for it. At this point, mostly to see his face, which is just slightly uncomfortable, which I am okay with. Yeah, Carol and I were talking, my wife and I were talking about this the other day and just different things, and she sensed my discomfort and, of course, leaned into it a little bit. And I'm like, (laughs) she just thought it was weird, of course. And I'm like, no, I don't know. Okay, so go ahead. Well, and that is something that we'll get into a little bit is kind of this, like, idea that that men should be uncomfortable with period stuff and period talk. Sure. And so that was kind of part of why I wanted to bring it. Because okay. it's it's something that about half of the population, you know, le- either deals with or has had to deal with at some point. Uh-huh. Um, and so it's important to, you know, I think everybody should know about it. Well, yeah. And it's an interesting topic because it's been around for forever, of course. <laughs> yep. And there's a lot of weird language around it. Really? Oh, for sure. Oh. Because it is something that's you know, considered to be private and kind of weird and maybe even shameful. So we have to come up with all these euphemistic ways to speak about it. Right. And so thus comes a lot of weird turns of phrase. Oh. Um, So we will be focusing at least at the beginning on on the rag, which is maybe one of my least favorite, but also possibly most prevalent. Yeah, I've heard Um, it. Yeah, it's evocative. Never liked it. Yeah. Nope. It's also a, a pretty transparent idiom, I will say. Like, I think most people can suss out what that means. Yeah. Um, I hope so. Yeah. But there's still some interesting history to it. So let's get into it. All right. I am excited. <laughs> Hopefully I will desensitize my father to being um, uncomfortable about periods by the end of this. But we'll find out. Yes, we will. I'll be honest. Uh-huh. At the end. So my, um, my discomfort level on a one to ten is about a four right now. Okay. So. 
Okay. Not, not It'll probably go up and down throughout the episode. If you want to check in as we go, that's okay. fine. Okay. I'll just throw a number out there and you'll know what I'm talking about. So I kind of like On the Rag. It is kind of gross, but it yeah. does, It also sounds like an insult, kind of. like oh, yeah. Kind of like how like you're slagging someone off, like they say in England. Sure. It's a similar idea. Or you could be dancing to ragtime music. I don't know. If you're On the Rag, maybe you're... <laughs> uh, six. <laughs> Spiked a little bit. Fair. But yeah, definitely with a gross undertone to that. But the phrase probably originated um, sometime in the late 19th century because when a woman was menstruating, Mm -hmm. she would have to, well, not have to because free bleeding is a thing. What? Seven. Okay. (laughs) Do you know what free bleeding is? I kind of get an idea. Yeah. So that's when a person who is menstruating, which is something, so I'll, I'll nip this in the bud here. I'm going to do my very best to keep inclusive language throughout this. And we'll talk more about that later, too, about inclusive language when it comes to periods, because Mm -hmm. not just women have periods and not all women have periods. I knew that. So when we just say women's issues or women's products, that is not a good thing to say because it is not inclusive or like feminine hygiene products is what you'll commonly hear. Uh But not just women have periods. And because trans men may oh, have periods. Intersex people can have periods. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I mean, if you think about like a trans man who hasn't transitioned sure. in a medical capacity or, uh, and course, I mean, certainly course, if, if they are on hormone replacement therapy, their periods may cease or lessen, but definitely trans men can have periods and that does not invalidate the fact that they're a man. Right. Yeah. So this is something that's been in the news lately as J.K. Rowling, local uh, shitbag, has been (laughs) taking up the cause specifically against, like, in the topic of menstruation, of, like, saying it's just women and that menstruating is a women's problem. Right. Like, not all women menstruate either. Right. Because, again, trans women. But also, like... Women after menopause. Yep. And women who, some women who cannot. Doesn't happen physically. Yeah. So there's some women who just doesn't happen for. I've yep. had friends who are like that. And it's just something that some bodies do and some bodies don't. And mm-hmm. it doesn't make anyone more or less of any specific gender. So I'm going to be doing my best to keep inclusive language and say people who menstruate or people who have periods. I may slip up every now and then and say women just because that's so deeply ingrained in us. But yeah. I am a person who menstruates who is not always a woman. I am gender fluid. So it's something that, you know, it's funny how so many things are so ingrained in us and they can even be against us, but they're still in our heads. Internalized uh, homophobia is a real thing and transphobia. So I think the word, I've never liked the word menstruate. I don't like that word. I hate that word. Did you? No, don't say that. That's that's not better. Um, What would you prefer? Well, I don't know. It's just... Period? Because, no, it's fine either way. It's just as a... a, Growing up, I am, you know, in my 50s, uh, you know, I was born in the late 60s, uh, as that would work. Mm -hmm. Those of you who can do the math. Good job. Um, Yeah. Good job knowing how old I am. Um, Yeah. But it... It, to me, it's always been this, you know, I've got two sisters and like, uh, like you don't want to know about it and it's mm-hmm. gross and it's weird because a guy, you're like, I don't want anything, to, I don't want to know anything about this. I don't want to, I don't want to buy these products for my wife mm-hmm. or girlfriend if I ever have to. I have. But uh-huh. like, I was not excited about it. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that. So yeah. yeah, it's just for me, it's always been this realm of, ugh, I don't know. Right. Because that's how a lot of men are raised. 
is to be, you know, see it as a shameful thing. And honestly, a lot of people who menstruate are raised to believe it's a shameful thing too, which is a problem. Um, Because it's completely natural. Obviously, it happens forever. But anyway, free bleeding. That's where this all started from. So there's been long periods of history where, honestly, you just didn't do anything about it. You just bled. Just, Just happened. Yep. I mean, it was part of... It, it just happened. It just went. Um, certain people, especially in the past conservative politicians, will tell you that women can control it. And that what? people with, with you know, vulvas can control the flow of blood. That's not true, you guys. It just comes out. When was this? A, what? That multiple people have, have speculated, especially in, like, conversations about, like, whether or not... Um, like menstrual products should be provided to people who need them. Yeah. A lot of times people would be like, well, can't they just control it? Why can't they control themselves? These, let me just take a wild guess here. They were guys who said this. How did you know? Uh, I know. Crazy. I, I know. Anyway. But yeah, so through history, there's been a lot of different ways that people have tried to take care of this occurrence because, mm-hmm. you know, it happens monthly for a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's something that you know, if you don't want all your clothes to be stained, you got to be a little bit careful about. So in history, yeah. things such as moss, grass, oh. fur, sheep's wool, oh. uh, paper, papyrus. How do you say that? Papyrus. Papyrus. That's the one. Yeah. Um, I, I do the same thing in my episodes. Like, yeah. But yeah, there's just a lot of different ways that people have used to, you know, keep their clothes clean, keep surfaces clean, whatever they needed to do, shove it in there. Um, towards... What? Eight. <laughs> Moss kind of got me. Sorry. Moss is rough. Yeah. How do you get the bugs out? I don't want uh, bugs down nine. there. That's rough. Oh. No. Um, no, so, no. but definitely as we got more into like developing fabrics and everything, there became more of a prevalence of using those because sure. they were more absorbent. They had more options. And that's where we get the idea of being on the rag or riding the rag, oh, no. which is a more, uh, we don't say that one as often anymore, no, but it, it or was, at all, ever, yeah, again. maybe shouldn't. Hey, all humans don't say that. Yeah. Also riding the red pony. <laughs> I did see, we'll get into more specific ones. Can later, I, that can was I fun. revise my scale? Can I go over 10? <laughs> That's no, sorry. And this one goes up to 11. It goes to 11. So this was surprising to me. So anyway, in the late 19th century, especially rags started being used, just like cast off household fabrics would be used and stacked up to make an absorbent pad. But then in the 1900s, uh, actually products started coming out, like actual products for this. So the first commercially available modern tampon, and I say modern tampon because it was like, definitely people had been putting stuff up there before, rather than just putting like a lining but like a modern tampon is something that's sold to be for this purpose it was actually produced in the late 1930s which is pretty early that was earlier than i expected um and it was by tampax a company that's still around yeah yeah but there like i say there were other things that were absorbed absorbed materials inserted for a long time which is problematic because you want to be careful about what you put in there toxic shock syndrome yes it's a real thing it's rarer than you might think but it's definitely a real thing so everybody be careful about your vaginas we it good advice yep funny enough the menstrual cup which i kind of thought is like a more modern invention yeah uh came about at the around the same time in the 1930s you saw your first menstrual cups which I, is wild to me. I don't know what that is. 
Oh, men- okay. So we're, we're learning today. Yeah. <laughs> so a menstrual cup is like today. There's ones like diva cups, moon cup. It's like a little squishy cup that okay. you insert in there, and it collects the blood, and you just take it out and dump it. So it's a more oh. eco-friendly option. But oh. from all accounts, it can also be a little bit riskier because you're just, you know, it's just like a barrier. Okay. Yeah. But if it slips or something, which doesn't happen oh, a lot, but can't. that could be a problem. Then that could be a problem. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. The menstrual cup's been along for a long t- around for a long time. It wasn't super popular until, like, flexible materials came out. <laughs> <laughs> this one's made of wood. This is a wood menstrual cup. <laughs> you used to have one of those little balls that you could, like, catch, like a rope and ball game, but now we'll use it for this. Yeah, really? No, that no that's not a thing. Oh, okay. Thanks. I was making that up. Yeah, it'd be like someone with a really uh, a male name, Hank. I made, I'm going to make these and I'm going to make them out of wood. <laughs> Maybe a little splintery. Probably better than metal, to be fair. Metal. <laughs> so. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of fun stories about, like, the phrase on the rag. Um, the most popular ones are estimating that it, it came about during, like, the Victorian age, mm-hmm. which, of course, people were very nervous about talking about any sort of. Yeah. Admitting that they were human in any way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. One account that I found was that women would try to fool the male members of their households. This Uh is what the website said. Into thinking that bloodstained cloths that they had used were for jam making. Oh, my. So it'd be like the kitchen rag. You're on the rag because you've got all these kitchen rags around. Oh, sure. Um, So... They were sometimes called jam rags, which I don't oh. like. That one I'll be—I'll admit I'm not totally comfortable with because I don't like that analogy. No. Um. Yeah. So, not great. No. Um. So on the reg comes from different places. There's this weird like continuance of fruit analogies because someone else thought it could have something to do with you know when you are making jam you're using rags and like to to sieve out sure. like yeah, yeah. materials seeds um, and peels and so rag can refer to the stringy central portion and membranous walls of a citrus fruit okay so do with that what you will i don't want to do anything with it <laughs> okay you can leave that where it's at <laughs> um so i i also turned to our good old uh phrases.co.uk yep. our favorite place like where there one. was some discussion about being on the rag including one that i hated and <laughs> so i included it it's it worse um so says this this i'm not going to blame this on the person who runs that site who by all accounts seemed like a cool dude this was just some forum member sure they said when someone is on the rag, they are testy, and they may behave as one individual, verbally demanding or scolding another on a regular basis. So when someone does some this to you, you've been ragged on. So you uh, know the whole phrase of yeah. like ragging on or ragging off someone? Yeah. They're saying that ragging on comes from the phrase on the rag, which is oh. problematic. Oh, in many ways. Yes, so I don't love that. Um, I did look into that just to prove this one jerk wrong. Um, the <laughs> yeah. phrase getting ragged on just is is like you're getting roughed up. So you're like raggedy oh, because okay. they keep okay. on coming at you and you don't have like a time to your like smooth yourself are out. And, yeah, yeah. And rumpled and... So that's where that comes from. It's not about people who menstruate being hormonal. And, oh, yeah. yeah. I learned that a long time ago. That's a bad thing to do. 
to blame. Yeah, uh, don't do that. No, don't. No. Everybody, don't blame someone's mood swings on whether or not they are menstruating. You is will it, not have a good time of it. Is it your time of the month? You're pretty crabby don't right now. say that. Because uh, certainly, yes, there can come emotional swings with menstruating. Sure. For sure. That is a thing. PMS is real. It's dismissive. It's dismissive. And also, it implies that people who menstruate can't control their emotions, yeah. which is a common, oh, sure. uh, you know, stereotype, especially against women. Yeah. So, so let's talk about more euphemisms for oh, periods, because there's Great. so many of oh, them, good. and it makes me happy. Why? And also sad, and we'll talk about the reasons. Um, there are some biblical ones. So okay. the Bible, I don't know if it ever, like, directly talks about a woman's or a person's period. Oh, it does, very specifically. Um, yes, but does it say, what words does it use for it? Do you know? Uh, you know, I would have to look at, it's, it's, there's a lot of laws in Leviticus. Yes. Levitical laws about, about the woman's period of being unclean. Yes, which is yeah common yeah. in a lot of cultures, actually. I'm not going to pin this just on the Bible oh, because no. it's a pretty widespread prejudice yeah. that's also really gross. People who are menstruating are not unclean. <laughs> she looks pained. I shouldn't have to say that. She looks pained. Um, but just a couple of things that the Bible uses to nudge, nudge at. Um, there is one in Leviticus. Leviticus 15.33 um, describes someone as in flowers. And, wow, that and, was King James. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Um, couple in Genesis, the custom of women. Yep, okay. Uh, the manner of women. Mm -hmm. Or in Exodus, her fruit departs from her. Oh, which that's... Which, don't love that. It's... Trying to be like flowery, like Shakespearean, but yes. it's just kind of which weird. is a common thing in the history of speaking about periods. Is this attempt to make it very flowery and like even mystic in some cases? Mystic. Well, if you think about like the connection with like the moon, oh, and okay. like okay. your moon cycle and everything, because it is monthly, it's tied to that. There's even Shakespeare about that in Othello about okay. um, her moods being tied to the moon. Sure. There's some line about Desdemona like that that's kind of gross. But anyhow, this has been around forever. In the 17th century, um, folks would refer to it as them or those. Okay. That would be just the word for it, which is interesting. Yep. There's also more clinical ones around that time, such as monthly excavation oh. and natural purgitations. Oh, which eight. Mm, mm, don't love that. No. Purgitations? Purgit I don't that's know if I'm word. saying that right, but I that's the word are. that's there. Today, I think the most common ones that I hear are things like Aunt Rose, Aunt Auntie Red, Aunt oh, Flo, geez. which now just makes me think of the progressive lady. Yeah. <laughs> Auntie Flo. Auntie Flo. Oh. Um, Aunt Dot is also one I heard a lot, like in high school. Did, okay. Um, lots of ants, which is in, or eldest aunt. That's what they say in China. That's eldest a Chinese. Aunt. Your eldest aunt is visiting. Oh. Which makes sense because it's this long running inheritance of. Yeah. Yeah, and it's familially tied, of course. Sure. So, interesting stuff. I also hear time of the month. I think that's oh, maybe yeah. the one I use the most commonly. Yeah. Um, you hear Shark Week a lot. That's oh, more recent. Best. Okay, I get it. Yep. Um, which right. is kind of fun. fun. It's, it's a word. Yeah, it, it does bring to mind one of my favorite phrases, vagina dentata. What? Uh, can you parse that? No, what? I don't even want to. 
Vagina dentata is... Is that a type of pasta? <laughs> Al dente vagina dentata. <laughs> so, uh, vagina so... dentata is, happens in uh, mythical stories a lot, and also in real life sometimes. Okay. So think of dent, dental, vaginal teeth. Uh, 12, so, 13. So you remember uh, American Gods yeah, by Neil yeah, Gaiman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Early in that book, a man does get devoured during intercourse. Um, well, kind of, kind of. He become he just kind of gets absorbed. absorbed into her body yes. because she's a god. Yes, and she is. She and is that's her worshipped. form of worship. Yeah, yes. it's just yeah. sex. So, but vagina dentata is current is depicted in a lot of different like cultures over time. This idea of the vagina having teeth. What? 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 Yeah. No. Um. Which isn't commonly yes. true there are cases where that has happened which is fascinating no it's yes horrifying. it's usually a case of you know like Absorbing the kind of thing of yes yeah yeah that's that's most commonly when slash why that happens it's very 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 rare but the fun thing is you can sing vagina dentata to the tune of hakuna matata let's go for it go vagina ahead vagina dentata what it a wonderful needs. phrase it means lots of worries. <laughs> lots of worries. If you're a dude. Uh, uh, wow. So thank you to a friend of the pod, Maya, for calling out the fact that you can sing that to the tune of that. Is Isn't she, she great? She came up with that? I don't know if she came up with it, but she did bring it to my attention. Fair. Uh, yeah. Credit where credit is due? Blame, maybe? Credit? Okay. Yeah, I'll go with that. <laughs> So there you go. I wasn't even going to talk about vagina dentata. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I don't even remember how we got on that. Time of the month, Shark Week, Shark Week. That's why. There it is. Shark's teeth. That's yep, fair. That's not where why people say shark teeth. It's not tied to vagina dentata. No, I know, but you but had to go there. I had to go there. I just had to. Yeah, okay. I understand. Um, also, very common is the redhead. That's pretty uh-huh. common across different cultures, calling it the redhead. Sure. Um, also, a lot of instances of people calling it, like, girl time or okay. crazy time, oh. both of which are obviously problematic for different yeah. reasons. It's also called uh, demons or monsters in a lot of cultures uh, in languages or, like, the rule or the ritual. The ritual. Mm-hmm. Sounds which, like cultish. Which, I mean, there there's often, like, a cult, like vibe around a lot of it you think of like modern witchery too and a lot of it is very moon tied and steeped in this idea of femininity oh, of like okay. um but i also think the mysticization of femininity has the potential for uh some transphobia is that a word mystic what word mysticization it is now okay. i've said it, it so now wondering. it's a word all right um so let's get more into some like specific like countries words for things all right because this is every country has like a Women. laundry list of them <laughs> well uh, yes has people yeah. who menstruate yes um, all right right so the there is a period tracking app called clue oh uh which period tracking apps are an interesting thing what is, that maybe why? is because people 
so tracking your period can be very beneficial for different reasons. It's it's kind of a tune into how your health is in certain ways because certain things oh. can delay. Or if you're on birth control, yeah, you might want to know when your period is. Or if you're trying to get pregnant, yes, um, knowing when you're ovulating is very important. Yeah, uh, so. Yeah. Apps like these can kind of give you insight. There's also a lot of concern about like data selling with that. That's oh, no. yeah, that's, that's troubling. That's awful. So I don't use those because I'm worried about that. But uh, I'm not sure about Clue specifically. I'm not trying to bash them. I don't know their practices on data. Yeah, they're just trying uh, to provide a helpful service. Right. And, but yeah. be careful with your data, everybody. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but. Anyway, Clue, uh, this this company compiled this really comprehensive list of different phrases across the world that people use. It's, okay. a, it's a pretty cool list. Um, I'll link to it, uh, but I'll go through some of the highlights uh, because they have users all over the world and they asked them to tell them their favorite. Yeah. Uh, so here's some of those. Uh, from German, I'm not going to say the words because I do not speak German and yeah. it would be a nightmare, is <laughs> Strawberry Week, oh. which is mirrored in a couple other countries as well. Uh, there's Red Army, which refers to the, like Soviet Russia, sure. the Reds, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which actually the Russians call it that too, nice. and the Danish. Oh, so Red Army coming is a pretty common thing, I guess. All right, um, riding the red wave, oh. just the name Emma. What? Which Why? makes me feel very bad for people named Emma. My best friend in high school's sister was named Emma, and when I saw that, I was like, oh no, Emma. Poor Emma. That'd be a bummer if you were your name was used for that. Um, entering yeah. the Red Sea. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's a fun biblical one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, or I guess it's just geographical. Well, true. But, um, and then in French, there's the grumbling, <laughs> which is kind of fun, um, and maybe a little bit problematic, but yeah, I, I sure. do grumble a bit when I well, first start my period. feel good? No, it is unpleasant. Ketchup week? Oh, Come on, gosh. guys. 14. Oh, just wait for this next one. No. It's a crime scene in my panty. <laughs> 20. <laughs> no. No. This is a fun one because it's kind of a callback to Cockney rhyming slang, oh, but it's in yeah. French. Yeah. So angle bracket what? is the word for it. So it's a joke because you always carry your angle bracket and your ruler together to math class. And yeah. the word for ruler has the same spelling and sound. It's a pun for period. Oh, so remember wow, in yeah. Cockney rhyming slang, we talked about a while past of how yep. you take a word, you take an associated word, and then you go off of that word instead to yep. refer to the thing. Yep. It's the same thing, but it's French this it's time. like a code. And periods. Why Do you know why they call it a period? Yes. Period, because it's a period of time. That's it. Oh. Yeah. oh that's it's just a duration of time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. In French also, VHS. Uh, so, uh, vaginal or service. So, vaginally out of order. Uh, oh, jeez. So, right. VHS in French or VOO here, although nobody says that. No. Um, I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> although, fun fact, your vagina is not out of order when you're on your period. You can still do normal things with your vagina when you're on your period. <laughs> fun fact, things. especially to maybe people with penises who have partners with vaginas. Yeah. Normal things can happen. Normal anyway, things. according to your comfort level, of course. Of course. Um, the carrots are cooked. Oh, gosh. Not sure about that I one. We'll go understand. past that one. I'm pretty sure that's only, like, in terms of, like, someone getting their first period, which some of these are, is more about, like, oh, it's your first thing. Yeah, sure. Um, rather than every time. The French... Okay, okay Dad. 
The French are giving me trouble. I'll talk to Carol. Okay. She's, Please talk to her about this one specifically. She's a French professor, for those of you who have yes, been listening. Yes, his wife, Carol, my stepmother, yeah. is a French professor. Uh, the little clown with a nosebleed. Oh, Why? Why the Why? French? Why the French? Why? I don't... I don't... Why? You made it so much worse. I don't know. Why would you bring clowns into this? No, there should be no Periods clowns. Periods are already unpleasant. You don't need to include Why clowns. Why are we including clowns? Mm. Or small little elves is also an option. Not. I don't even know where to begin. I don't understand. We're just going to go right past Very that one. Uh, take a brief stop in Italy uh, because they have one that is the Marquis. <laughs> Which was fun for our podcast, because if you remember yes. from our second episode, the Mad Marquis was the one who painted the town red. Oh, I don't think this is a reference to I that. I want it to be, though. But how interesting, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a fun little watch your mouth in. In Danish, there's painters in the stairway or communists in the gazebo. <laughs> communists in, in the, the gazebo. gazebo. It's okay. That's... I like the idea of my vagina as a gazebo. I don't Do know. It's, really? It seems ornate. <laughs> You want an ornate vagina. Uh, why not? I don't know. I've never had um, one, so I don't know. How about in Chinese, where they can just call it not convenient? Like, fair. You know what? Just get right Super to it. fair. Not convenient. Um, My not convenient is here. <laughs> or that thing comes, which A, sounds like a horror movie. It, I would watch that. Would you? No. There's actually, there is a horror movie that is vagina dentata based, and I don't remember what it's called. I think it's just called Teeth, but I'm not positive. Oh Haven't gosh. seen it. No. Um, or it's, or like It Follows. That sounds like It Follows, which is the horror movie yeah. about STDs. Yeah, I've, I've not seen it, but or I'm STIs. Aware of it. it was uh, made in Michigan. Oh, was it? I had Detroit no idea. Area. Yeah. Funny. So, let's talk about the Japanese ones. Do we These have ones to? require more context. Okay. Because some of them are weird. Mm-hmm. So, you're trying to peek at my screen. Don't do that. Oh, I can't <laughs> help it. it. All right. So, a lot of Japan's euphemisms for periods reference Anne. Anne? Anne. Okay. Meaning Anne Frank. Uh, what? Yes. Why? Here we go. Oh, this no. is weird. Okay. So Anne Frank in her diaries, this is something that really stuck out to me when I read her diaries in school, was that she catalogs pretty, like, close the first arrival of her period. Okay. So... This is her diary. Yeah, it's her diary. It's her own private space. And she talks about, you know, sex. She talks about periods. Yep. Um, yep. And I remember that being really striking to me as a kid. And actually, it's a reason that those books are sometimes banned books now. Oh. Because they, she was so frank about yeah. her her menstruation. Sure. A couple quotes from that beforehand, she wrote, I can hardly wait. It's such a momentous event. Too bad I can't use my sanitary napkins, but you can't get them anymore. And mama's tampons can only be used by women who've had a baby. Um, and then once it comes, uh, in January of 1944... Uh, she says, every time I had my period, and that has only happened three times, it feels like I'm carrying with me a sweet secret, in spite of all the pain, misery, and dirt. Therefore, though I have only suffered from it, in a sense, I am always delighted to look for, forward to the time I will feel the secret in me. Wow. Which is really, that, that passage especially, I dug it out because it really specifically stuck in my mind as, as a preteen who was first menstruating and being like, it really made more real for me this of the Holocaust, which when you are a kid seems very far away and amorphous. Sure. Um, and I was dealing with this new thing that was horrible in yeah. my mind because it yeah. was 
it was wrought with pain and shame and also for me dysphoria even though i didn't know it yet yeah. and but to see someone celebrating it because it was her secret and it was something that was of herself and that was about being able to have a hope of a future yeah, yeah. it was really powerful yeah it's well put Mm-hmm. Oh, she was very, very well-spoken. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the Anne Frank's fascination with her own period is mirrored by the fascination of Japanese culture. Japan has had a long past of censorship. Okay. Um, this is something that you can read a lot about like in the history of manga and everything, especially in regards to like sexual acts, have been very, very strictly limited in media over yeah. over yeah. time and this is true of periods too and so when and frank's diary was was translated into japanese and started being spread around there uh-huh. it was wildly popular because she was so earnest about her period yeah and it was very popular especially for for young girls um in japan but this was sort of the moment of it was one piece in Japan's fascination with Anne Frank. And this was something that I was not aware of at all. Japan, culturally, in the past, has had a large fascination with Anne Frank. Mm-hmm. Because, it, so, I, I specifically pull this a lot from um, a, a certain journalist and scholar uh, named Lekowitz. Lieb Lekowitz, I'm not entirely how to pronounce it. Um, he's French and Jewish. And he postulates that this is because Anne Frank symbolizes the ultimate World War II victim. Okay. Which Japan also saw themselves as. Really? Yes. Well, probably, yeah. Because, because of the bombings, of which... Of course, of course. Fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrible, terrible atrocities were committed against Japan. Yes. And it gets really complicated because Japan was also the perpetrator of some pretty wild atrocities yes. in World War II and, and in other wars as well, of course. Yep. But specifically in World War II, we think about um, the the Korean comfort women yeah, and the widespread atrocity of that. And if you aren't familiar with that, because I wasn't until wildly recently, I highly recommend the graphic novel Grass, yeah. which is a hard read, but... Just there was very widespread kidnapping and rape and uh, control of and like we talked about last episode, demonization of other cultures and dehumanization. Um, So this, so Lukowitz, Lukowitz created this app, this like article app that was like an explorative article about this issue. It's called Anne Frank in the Land of Manga. And it's just about this sort of problematic back and forth relationship of Anne Frank and Japan. Uh Um, And their sort of tenuous relationship to her of wanting to identify with her because they were horribly treated. They were also a victim of this war, but they also perpetrated crimes at the same time. So it's this very interesting, like, battle. It was something that I did not expect to come across. But yeah, this fascination of Anne Frank in World War II goes back a long way. Me either. There's a lot of manga comic book adaptations of Anne Frank's diary in Japan. There's at least five of them. And there's three movies. Oh. Which I... Crazy, right? It's just not something you think about. No. 
the the scholar also said the Anne Frank Japan connection is based on a kinship of victims. The mm. Japanese perceive themselves as such because of the atomic bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. They don't think of the countless Anne Franks their troops created in Korea and China yeah. during the same years. Well, that's so easy to to see yourself to identify with the things that put you in more of a sympathetic or positive light than right. you know. Hey, we committed lots of atrocities. <laughs> we don't want to talk about that. Hey, war sucks yeah. <laughs> on both sides. And yes, like I, I think back to there's a book of poetry called The Tongue of War. Um, and I'll give authors to all of these in the notes because I can't think of them off the top of my head, which I apologize. Um, but it's it's it takes the bombings uh, from every single angle you could possibly think of, okay. from every perspective of people on the ground, people in the plains, people in America, politicians, every angle of this event yeah. is explored through this poetry book. It's fascinating um, and heart-wrenching. I mean, horrible, horrible things. And this is where we need to remember, too, that the Japanese people are not the Japanese government. Yes. And they were not the ones committing these atrocities, and they did not deserve the bombs that were dropped on them. Well, I'm just going to interject something really quickly here just mm -hmm. because it's something that I became aware of through a podcast of, uh, of Malcolm Gladwell's podcast, Revisionist History. Okay. He did a uh, four-part series on a guy named, called uh, Curtis LeMay. Okay. They used to call him Bombs Away LeMay. Oh. Uh, yeah. And um, I did not realize the extent uh, that napalm was used in World mm -hmm. War II. And uh, during a course of a week, they burned alive 500,000 Japanese civilians with mm -hmm. napalm. That's sickening. Um, so, yeah, you think of you know Hiroshima, Hiroshima, and Nagasaki. Um, obviously, huge, huge events that everyone knows. I'd never even heard about this other. Mm -hmm. uh, and they said, if we lose, we will be tried as war criminals. Yeah. But since they won, eh, strategic, strategic yep. move. And yay, America. Da, yeah. Da, da, da. But yeah, war sucks, and yeah. <laughs> countries commit atrocities in war. Right. And it's the everyman and most often the disenfranchised and poor who are most hurt of by course. the actions of the higher-ups. And it's all done in the name of patriotism. What a good concept. Yeah. So... This was fascinating to me, this connection. And yeah. I mean, it goes so deep that there is a Japanese brand of tampons called Ann oh. Tampons. Oh. Which is wild. I'll post, we post pictures in our Facebook groups. So I've got a couple of pictures of the containers um, that we can, we can post. Okay. Um, but see, that's baffling to me. That's something you never, like a connection I never would have thought about. No, why would um, you? So yeah, very interesting, complicated piece yes, of history there. Very complex. Moving on to this to a slightly lighter piece of Japanese history. Another phrase they use for someone getting their first period, they call it the arrival of Matthew Perry. What? Why would they? Uh, yeah. Matthew Perry? This is something where I saw it and I laughed for three minutes. For, for friends? <laughs> well, no. It, we're not talking about Chandler Bing here. Okay. Um, although that was my first instinct, what? too, of course, to be like, why are they talking about Chandler Bing? Poor, poor, uh, poor Matt Perry. Poor Matt Perry. It's actually a callback to an 1853 uh, Commodore from the United States Navy named Matthew C. Perry. Um, who went to Japan to open up its trading with the U.S. Okay. Um, so okay. there are different accounts of this that tell it with different amounts of whether or not the Japanese government slash people actually wanted this. 
Oh. Whether it was the U.S. saying like, hey, no, you have to do this. You, you, or, you get to trade with us now. Yes. It's unclear whether it was consensual or not, which is maybe a weird way to say that. But yeah, consent happens in a lot of different yep. spheres Absolutely. and everything. But the main reason it came to become this was because Perry's arrival caused a huge upheaval in Japanese society and in their economy. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's an allusion to once this comes, everything's changed forever, which is a weird thing that we aggrandize periods to in a lot of different cultures of like, oh, as soon as you're this, you're a woman now. Right, sure. Which is weird and kind of gross, especially when you look back at how that's been used to justify like, Mm, child marriages and stuff. Right. So which as soon as this happens, boom. Not okay. No. Yeah. So I don't love that those kinds of phrases that are like, it's your time now. You're a woman now. Because yeah. obviously it's rooted in gender and also in like a weird rung of like, you're an adult. Well, and you're also, 12, but you're an adult. The way you're saying it is is very reminiscent of you're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> Sorry, unintentional. No, I know, but just especially with J.K. Rowling's yeah, um, problematic relationship to menstruation. Yes. Yeah, it's fine if you like Harry Potter, by the way. Uh, just not J.K. Maybe don't give her money for yeah. it. She wrote a good thing. She's a bad person, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hop on over to Spanish. Let's. So in Spanish, there's a weird... So defrosting the steak is one, oh. which I don't love. Oh. Um, being bad or broken is one. No. Which is terrible. <laughs> Let's not. Yeah. The other really weird one is uh, Andrew who comes once a month, which rhymes. Andrew rhymes with month in... No, it doesn't. But it, well, not in, in Spanish. The, the phrase yeah. is Andres quelque vient une vez pour me, which I don't speak Spanish. That was more trying with French pronunciation, which was wrong. Yeah. But oh. André and me rhyme. Oh. So it's like a dig at guys named Andrew. I don't Andrew. know. My stepson is Andrew. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry, Andrew. Um, in Portuguese, it was largely uh, agricultural. So sacrifice of the ox. Is one oh. or um, sacrifice in the slaughterhouse, which I don't oh, like. Wow. Or don't... it's raining on the farm. Mm. I did want to go over my list of most hated oh, <laughs> real no. quick. Okay, and then we'll be I done, and you'll that. be free. Okay. Nope, these are the worst ones. Curse of Eve. <laughs> Not great. Um, getting your red wings. Oh. <laughs> which, as a Michigander, <laughs> yeah. Think of the red wings in her flowers. No. Oh, no. Or delicate. You're so delicate. How gross is that? You don't find that uh, condescending no, at all? No, people with vaginas <laughs> can push a multi-pound lump of person flesh out of themselves. Person flesh? They call it a baby. Yeah. Person and, flesh. And you want to call part of that process delicate? Well, they talk about, you know, you, you've got, you're tough, you've got real balls. Like, we've yeah. heard comedians talk about, no, uh -huh. if we're talking about what's tough. Yes. Talking about a vagina. Yes. Or as Conan O'Brien says, the vajaroo. Sure. <laughs> he did that on a podcast. That's not great. He gets very silly. The old vajaroo, um, which I think is what we're going to refer to that in my from now on. Nope. Hopefully not. No, never again. I'm glad you no longer have small children. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but that's something interesting. That's That actually kind of leads into a, kind of where I wanted to wrap this up. In talking about how interesting it is that we use euphemisms for these subjects that we find a little bit uncomfortable. And it's kind of a chicken and the egg situation mm. of are we using euphemisms because they are uncomfortable or are we uncomfortable because we can never talk about them directly and we're always using euphemisms and creating this like cloud of soft words that like cover up the truth of the matter. Mm. It, I think it's a very interesting and that that's true of words for genitals too. Sure. Like a lot of kids get taught softer words about their genitals like you tell a kid with a penis that they have a (laughs) pee-pee or you know a winky or whatever gross words people use for that so much worse so much worse or like you tell child with a vagina that they have a flower or their you know their private parts is a pretty gender neutral across the board yes um genital neutral um it's an. What did you guys do? Did you guys talk about that all when you were raising children, like of about course. what words you were going to use? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. We, um, those of you who listen to this podcast, know that I listen to a lot of other podcasts, and one of the main ones I listen to is Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard mm-hmm. and Monica Padman. When he was growing up, they referred to their private parts, their genitals, as birds. You talked about your bird, whether you were a boy or a girl. They regardless. Of your your gender, you just you talked about your bird. Weird. So yeah, and I hadn't all, heard that before. I hadn't either, hmm. and so it's just something that. Where is he from? Is it like a cult? Is it like a regional thing? He's from Detroit area. Oh, yeah, he grew Interesting. up. He and Kristen Bell both grew up in Detroit area, um, but yeah, they called it their bird. But when your mom and I, um, we wanted to try to use more anatomically correct terms. Okay. We didn't. We knew other families that called, you know, a, a penis. You know, all kinds of different mm-hmm. things, you know, the little pet names. And um, we we were trying to go more like just call it what it is and uh, and not try to get, make some weird childish right. attachment. Sing-songy to way to it. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, I was curious because I, I didn't remember um, what you guys used. Um, I remember, like, getting talked to about, like, periods for the first time and everything. How old were you? I don't even know. How old were you when your, when your mom did that? Probably, like, 11 or 12, and she just did the whole shebang, whole sex talk. Then. Sure. Um, what were you, were you, like, what was your reaction? You kind of <laughs> knew, right? This I was mean, something that I was not going to talk about on the podcast necessarily, and I might cut it out, but I actually have a very funny story about that. Well, that she, I tell... she does listen sometimes, too. Yes. Your mom's listening to some mom. of these. Yeah. Um, so, my mom gave me the sex talk. She brought me to uh, Dairy Queen, because um, she tricked me with ice cream. She brought me to Dairy Queen, <laughs> sat me down uh, with her ice cream, and talked to me about it. Um, and I kind of knew about the period stuff, but I did not know about the sex stuff at all. Oh, my. And we grew up in a very conservative family and also a very... Uh, <laughs> waiting as her father. Yeah, I'm, I just can't think of quite the right word. Uh, I guess, like, Victorian in a sense of we didn't talk about these things. We were quite proper. Yes, the prim and proper, and this was all, like, quiet, yeah. so we like, talk, not allowed to be talked about We things. made the kids talk in English accents yeah. at all times. Uh-huh. That, that's not true. Took years of speech therapy to <laughs> get past that. <laughs> Hello, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Like, where are you from? I'm from here. Yes. Um... But my my dear, dear mother, who I love very much, um, she described it so vaguely. 
the sex? process of or, sex oh, so no. vaguely okay. that I had a misunderstanding for a couple of years afterwards what? that sex was the man either cut off or just fell off. His penis just fell off or he cut it off. And then separately, the woman, and these were the words I would use at the time, so that's why I'm using them, would have inserted that into her vagina and, like, it would have dissolved, or maybe that's what became the baby. Oh. I was not sure. Oh, that was I, the vagueness what? What? with which this was conveyed to me. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, and so that was my understanding of what sex was for several years. Um, and then I guess oh. I just thought that, like, the penis grew back or something eventually. Because <laughs> like like there were multiple reptile. children in this family. Yeah, like a reptile's tail, Oh, maybe. your mom thought, you thought your mom did that to me. Oh, my, of course. Yeah, no, because that's how I thought, that's when she said this is how babies are made. I she just said that the penis goes into the vagina and I oh. couldn't picture there being like yeah. an act that does that. I just thought it was like, oh, you just take it off and put it in. Uh, detachable. Because I think she had talked to me about tampons just before oh. that and so I had a similar picture. You tied them together. Yes, which was a bad... When I was and a... they wonder why I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, it's our fault. Um, no, but we when I was a kid, I remember the we branch off into this. Uh, the sex talk, I understood the mechanics of it, which it's so weird when it's so weird still. It's a very strange thing. But um, I remember thinking, like, I didn't get it. I'm like, okay, I understand the mechanics of it, but I guess the guy pees in there. Oh, no. Well, I, I've I heard know. people say that before. Like, I, like, that what? Was... Something's got to happen mm-hmm. because it just putting that there, why would that do anything? Yeah. So maybe he pees and I didn't understand. Gotcha. Yeah, I didn't get it. They didn't go into that part of it. Yeah. Or I wasn't paying attention, which is also possible. <laughs> um, that was 25. No, that's, oh, boy. No, just, I had a kid <laughs> you at 22. Already, so. Yeah, you were had multiple children at that point. I did. Yeah. Very young. Okay, sorry. Go <laughs> no, on. it's okay. I, I wasn't ever planning on telling that story on this podcast, but I do think it's a very, pretty funny story. It is. And I think that I had that misconception. I think it's safe to leave it if you yeah, want. Yeah. No, I'm I'm cool with that. Sorry, okay. Mom. I've unveiled that. I don't think it was necessarily your fault. I didn't know any of that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, the detachable penis. You know, it's penis. just the detachable penis. Do not send in fan art for that one, guys. No, please no, we don't, don't do that. No. Um, but yeah, I just think it's an interesting thing to think about. I don't think that euphemisms are are necessarily harmful. I am much more on the train of let's be more inclusive about our language when it comes to gender in these things. Language is important. Um, it is. And especially in a developing, you know, kid, like having inclusive language and let's stop separating kids in sex ed, please. Everybody needs to know all of this. I remember I told a girl after sex ed in sixth grade, and I told a girl something, and she was like, he told me something. She like made a big deal of it, and I felt so Forbidden stupid. Forbidden knowledge. Her name was Cindy. Um, <laughs> Cindy, screw you. No. But oh, she dear. Was, no, I'm kidding. But she was like, he told me something. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, no, I didn't know. Like This yeah. was supposed to be a secret to your point. Which is weird. It's just it, the, the layers of like secretism and puritanism of this yeah. are fascinating to me. Yeah. And I think euphemisms are kind of a piece of that. And while they can be really fun and, like, curious and odd, I, at the same time, like, be careful about, like, being honest with your kids about what true elements of sex are. Because if you hide under too many layers of mysticism and and, um, euphemism, then it becomes scary. (laughs) And it becomes shameful, especially. It, I, I think shame is born out of these 
obfuscations of sexuality Good because one. we don't understand it and it's it comes naturally to most of us but since we don't understand it it's instantly like oh that's shameful and that's not true of everyone of course no. and people come into it differently but definitely in more we live in a pretty puritan culture and yeah. i was raised in a sector of christianity that was pretty puritan yes and that creates shame so I, I just I, I invite you to think about euphemisms and the way we use them and the places in which we use them. I had a meeting last night with a group of people. We're going through a transition at the church where I attend, and we were talking about what we want um, after the transition is done. And I'm just a big advocate of, and especially because it gets real problematic when you inject religion into this conversation, which controls so much of why we refer to certain things the way we do yeah. and like making them shameful. Dance around subjects. And I'm just a fan of, you know, especially now to be like, let's just be honest and open mm -hmm. and talk about what we need to talk about and not beat around the bush as much. Right. Um, we get right to the point. We can have a better idea. It, it really cuts through misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. It still, can oh, still for happen. Sure. But when you say what you mean and you mean what you say, then you have a much better chance of connecting and the other person understanding where you're coming right. from. Right. Exactly. And fewer details and people get left behind in the process. Yes. If we can just be straight shooters and say, this is what this is then I think there's more inclusion that happens and there's a deeper breadth of understanding and true communication, not yes. just talking, but communication. Good point. Um, but yeah, it, it, I get very frustrated sometimes in Christian circles specifically of like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Yeah. And it's just bullshit. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, it's, we just need to create a space where you can just be honest about what's going on and what you're going through. Uh, not that you're going to go around, how are you doing? Well, let me tell you, right. you're going to a 15 minute spiel. I'm not talking about that, but it's amazing how that's affected so much of our culture. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. It's it's deep in there, and that's something that, while it's not the most problematic thing on our plate, it's something to nope. keep in mind. And especially for those of you who are parents and who are educators, it's good things to remember as you go about raising the next generation and thinking of what is useful to take with us into the future yeah. and what is better left behind. Normal bodily, there's actually very little. I'm not a big fan of shame in any way, shape or form being a, a devotee of Brene Brown <laughs> and the damage and the research that has shown that. Um, there's nothing, of course, shameful about something that your body's going to do. Mm -hmm. It's just designed or revolved or whatever we want to call it. It's going to do that. It's supposed to do that. Right. That's not shameful. No. It's not shameful that you poop. Right. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. It is right that you poop. It's, Please poop everyone. Yeah, everyone, we're pro-pooping. <laughs> we're pro-pooping. We are. Uh, it's your period, of course. There's nothing, there's no shame in that. It's mm -hmm. supposed to happen. Yeah. And it's weird that we get to the place of like, oh, there's something oh, no. wrong. Yeah. It's just not, not helpful. Anyway. Anyways. After that fun adventure, where's your comfort level? Uh, I, I think my comfort level is, is better because it is, you talk about it, you normalize it. You exactly. Name it. And that's what I'm trying to do here. You've done, you've done well. Thank you. <laughs> um, I would say the thing that stood out to me has got to be the uh, connection with Anne Frank and the Japanese yeah, culture. That was definitely what caught my eye too of like, what? That was a new thing for me. Way from left field. Like, wait, yep. what? They did, okay. Yep. And then it's like, when a culture really latches onto something, I, I find that fascinating to see what captures the attention of millions mm -hmm. of people. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That was probably my thing. Also, just the moment of seeing Matthew Perry's name on this list, I was like, <laughs> wait, 
what? And then it was more explicable than what I thought it was, but sure. still. It Interesting. was not what you thought it was. Not what not what I thought it was, which is probably a good thing for yeah. Matthew Perry's sake. <laughs> I, I wonder if he knows. He has to, right? I, I don't know. He's, he's a pretty big. Yeah, he's, he's a pretty big name. I'm sure he's been to Japan as well. I would hope. Yeah. But anyway, thanks for coming, everybody. Yeah, thanks for joining us here um, for the gazebo. We full understand of that this was a more out there episode, but we yeah. hope you stuck through with us because I do think it's important to talk about these things. Um, and you know, even if it wasn't your cup of tea, <laughs> that's okay because hopefully you learned a couple things along the way. Yeah. Uh, so stick with us. You can follow us on our Facebook group, and we'll be posting some pictures related to this episode. They will be G-rated. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah. Um, Good. Good ad. <laughs> uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on most streaming platforms and review us there as well if you would do so kindly. Thank you to Tony Gebhard for our theme song. You can find him on Spotify or SoundCloud and listen to all of his wonderful music. Anything else? No, I think uh, that's it. It was. Uh, I will say these last couple episodes are probably going to finally run a little longer than normal. Uh-huh. We'll get back to our normal episode length of around that 45-minute uh, mark. Yeah, and we- next week look forward to the first of our Halloween episodes. Um, those will definitely... We'll, we'll try to keep them to the shorter episode length, and they should yeah. be fun and festive. I hope so. so thank you for listening. Yeah, and please, happy autumn. Please rate and review us and uh, spread this among your friends. We'd love more listeners and feedback. Heck yeah, and please vote. And please vote. And please vote. It's coming. The time is coming. Make sure you're registered. Very soon. Yep. Okay, well, thank you all for coming. I'm Milo. And I'm Dave. Stay curious and carry a hatchet. Goodbye. Goodbye.